sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome back, Craig and Joe here with you with the news of Derrick Henry signing his contract extension. We're going to focus a little bit on uh, wide receivers today on the show, Joe. And certainly uh, you talk about opportunities. There are some players in fantasy that we talked about at running back that didn't make the most of their opportunities because they couldn't get in the end zone. But certainly there are some other players that are at other positions that didn't cash in that basically could have had an opportunity for more fantasy uh, points at the wide receiver position. And so... Uh, now with the you know stats and advanced metrics, you can sort of point out different players that may have some more upside based on things that didn't happen the year before. And I, for one, I'm all for that. Yeah, and it looks like some of the deeper metrics from fantasy baseball are starting to trickle over into the fantasy football world. And our good pal, Mike Teglier of Fantasy Pros, who obviously comes on this program quite a bit with us, and also is a contributor to the Fantasy Black Book 2020 on Amazon. Uh, that dude puts out some great stats. And what he's done is basically a case study, depending on the depth of target, the location of the target, how many fantasy points players should have scored as opposed to what they actually scored. And he's done a really deep dive on this. And I want to pick out a few that I think were really interesting discussion points because they were guys that really, you know, last year, if you look at where their opportunities were versus where they finished, they're off. And whether or not we think in 2020 things can change. And I think some of these guys we're going to be positive on and others we think maybe not so much. But let's start with Julian Edelman, who, believe it or not, because of the volume he got in that Patriots offense, was actually number two in terms of potential fantasy points. That's opportunity for fantasy points as a wide receiver. Of all people, Julian Edelman was number two because of the amount of targets he gets and where he gets those targets. Now, Julian Edelman is not a, a guy who's going to high point a ball in the end zone. He's not a guy who's going to th- get in jump balls and things like that. So touchdowns have always been a little trickier for him. They do run a couple uh, interesting plays over there at the goal line sometimes to get him involved. But for the most part, it was a very disappointing season for him and for Tom Brady, obviously, in that offense in the second half. Now you got a new quarterback here with Cam Newton. Uh, if you look at where he actually finished, he still finished number 10 overall. I don't feel like the target volume is going to just vanish for him with Cam Newton. I think it's still going to be relatively high in this offense. And my big concern for Julian Edelman always is where is his body right now? Because he is taking so much abuse in a short period of time. He is like he's that guy that goes over the middle. He's that guy that takes the hit. He's that guy that tries to get the extra yard every single time. And his body has definitely paid the price for it. And although he wasn't a wide receiver his entire career, he was a quarterback in college. I think he's played enough NFL wide receiver where he is a dicey investment. So when I tell you he had so many, so much opportunity last year and then still only finished 10th, do you think with Cam Newton, you're going to bid on him as let's say a, a wide receiver two in a PPR league this year with the new quarterback? Or are you afraid of the body holding up over 16 games? Yeah, I mean, I'm afraid of him and I'm afraid of Cam Newton. So I don't know. I think that, look, there's certainly a spot for him for me on my roster later on in the draft. But even with uh, the notion of what you're saying here, which is excellent, a lot of these stats, I'm just not I'm probably not going to buy in on this year. What if you could get him? And again, I'm, I'm seeing this now because you're seeing some of these mock drafts and you're seeing some of these industry drafts happen where he is slipping into that wide receiver three grouping pretty consistently. If he slips yeah. to the top of that, is that where it gets tempted? I, I suppose. I suppose. I, I mean, look. I mean, even if Newton isn't good, I suppose Stidham has a chance to be good too. So it's a fair, it's a fair assessment. Wide receiver three is fair. I think as wide receiver three, I feel pretty good about him. As a two, I don't know. I'd have to have two fantastic running backs in order to be starting that way. I think with Edelman at this point in his career, because you can't afford to have a guy missing two or three games a year, and I feel like Edelman is a is a high end candidate for missing time now where he's at with his body. I mean, he's put, you know, again, the tour to yell, this, that, the shoulder issue, like he's plus the concussions. He, he's really had a lot sure. in a short period of time. And he's been a great player. And it's amazing to look at where he stands all time. Cause where he stands all time, especially in the playoffs, we're talking, it's like him and Jerry Rice. That's madness <laughs> when you consider it, but Hey, he's made the most of the opportunities and the Pats have given him plenty. Another guy who had a lot of opportunities last year was Alan Robinson. One of our favorite wide receivers last year in terms of consistency. He was actually number three overall in potential points last year. Unfortunately, he finished just as wide receiver 11. But 
We can attribute that to the inability of the quarterback to make big plays at big moments there and get him the ball in the end zone. So I don't have a, a lot of upside for Foles. I'm thinking that, look, it's either Trubisky finally proving that he's worth the investment or it's just going to be still spinning their wheels for the Chicago Bears this year. How do you feel about Allen Robinson? Because right now this is a guy who's going as a wide receiver too. I don't think he has a ton of upside, but I look at this potential opportunity for fantasy points, Greg, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, maybe we're selling Allen Robinson short if Trubisky can find something that he did a couple years ago, which is starting to show you he could be a quarterback in this league. Yeah, I, I think Robinson has shown that he's more or less quarterback proof to this point. And regardless of who the Bears quarterback is, I think the opportunities will be there. So um, as in terms of all the wide receivers that we're going to talk about today, I think that he's somebody that I would target. I did have him in a league last year. I tried to bench him everywhere I possibly could. It just wasn't possible because he put up good numbers every week. Right. Were they great? No. But he's the kind of guy that you always feel like you think you can do better. But in the end, he's pretty solid. I would love to have seen what Allen Robinson could have done in his career if he played with a Drew Brees or somebody like that. Because you think about it. I love Blake. Bortles. I think Bortles still has some upside there, Joe. Uh, yeah, I think you need to let that go, Craig Mish. That's what I think. I think you need to let that go. But like Blake Bortles, he's going to play with Foles and Trubisky. You know, I mean, Where geez. is Bortles these days? Dallas or somewhere? He's no, somewhere. Andy Dalton's in Dallas. He's Bortles somewhere. is somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Bortles is somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> All right. Robert Woods is somewhere, too. And he is number Rams. seven. He was the Rams. Right. That's where he is with Robert Woods. That's right. Of course, I should have known better. So Robert Woods last year, obviously the knock on him was he only had two touchdowns. That's fair. I mean, that is a, that is a big knock. But in terms of opportunity for fantasy points, the guy was number seven overall. Now he finished 17 overall. However, if you just marginalize those touchdowns and gave him, let's say five or six, all of a sudden he shoots way up there into like the 12, 13 range overall. Like he, he takes a big jump with just a few touchdowns. And you start to see those more in the second half come his way and sort of targets in the red zone. Now, my question for you is with the current setup or lack thereof of this running game, where it's basically a mess, they're going to have to throw the ball a ton. Cooper Cup's going to get his. Robert Woods, I think, is going to get his. And I think this is a great time to buy in on Woods on the cheap based on the down year of touchdowns because I think the two is an anomaly. I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I'm, a, I'm a little down on, on golf. I'm a little down on the Rams overall. And, and Woods is one of those guys that it wouldn't surprise me to just see a fall off and done, honestly. Mm -hmm. I know it's crazy to say, but he's been around a while now. And thousand yards again last year. Just yeah, drop a thousand I'm gonna, yards. I'm going to bet against Woods this year. I'm not going to be in on the, I'm not going to be in at all on the Rams, but in particular, I just. And Cooks is gone too. I mean, somebody's got to put up some kind of stats because Jared Goff's not going to throw for, you know, 2,500 yards. You know what I mean? Like somebody's got to be catching the ball yeah, out there. Maybe so. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really like that explanation. Usually. Well, it's not an explanation. It's, it's more just unfortunate, simple math of, you know, Jared Goff's going to throw for 4,000 yards thereabout sometimes way more. And you got to yeah, figure that's good for at least Yeah, but just by saying that somebody's got to do it doesn't always add up to that. It, well, it somewhere else. I mean, it, I, it could, but you look at the rest of this roster, and I don't think Tyler Higby's going to be that guy to get a yeah, thousand. Yeah, they have yards. other wide receivers pretty good. Uh, Reynolds is okay. Yeah, Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not as good as Cup. He's basically a similar, a lesser version of Cooper Cup. Yeah, listen, there, there's there's just some teams that that I'm not as high on 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 their offense, and the Rams are one of those. I think that they've sort of peaked. Yeah, and and, uh, and look, could that Woods, I agree with. I think the Rams. I, I just, I, I don't think, I, I don't think that Woods repeats the year that he had last year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I think he's going to repeat the year he had last year with another four or five touchdowns, and that's going to make him a great value on draft day. So Craig and I are on the opposite end of that one, mm -hmm. uh, but we are on the same page with the Rams window closing very quickly here. Uh, I think this could get ugly real fast, and Sean McVay might go from boy wonder. Dubois looking for a job very quickly if things don't get better in Los Angeles for him. Uh, the next guy on this list is Tyler Boyd, who had a lot of expectations last year. And let's be honest, he, he fell short of them. He ended up finishing as wide receiver number 23. But in terms of opportunity for points, he was all the way up at number eight. Now, without A.J. Green on the field, obviously you can point to that as seeing a lot more double coverage, and that becomes more difficult now, theoretically, at least to the start of the season right now. A.J. Green is a Cincinnati Bengal, and we would imagine he's on the field with Joe Burrow. And if so, I think this bodes very well for Tyler Boyd, who is one of these guys that two years ago had a 1,000-yard uh, season, had half a dozen touchdowns, looked like a really decent fantasy investment. Last year did not work out. 
we know it was a disaster for the Bengals. That's why they ended up with Joe Burrow. But at the same time, is it time to buy back in on Tyler Boyd with A.J. Green back on the field? Not at all. I am not in on Boyd. I think that he is uh, supremely overrated. He runs bad routes. He drops the ball. He had that opportunity last year with Finley there playing, and, and those dudes were throwing the ball 35, 40 times some games to come back in games, and he still couldn't get his points. He did have two really good games at the end of the season. That he is did. true. But I think that he is not the Calvin Ridley to the Julio Jones on Atlanta. If you put uh, Green back there, I think somebody else takes Boyd's spot. I think he had a shot last year. It didn't go his mm -hmm. way. I would not buy back in again this yeah, year. Yeah, well, Ross is still there, too. Higgins is there now, too. So we'll see if anybody else can emerge as the number two. Jamison Crowder emerged as the number one target for Mr. Sam Darnold last year. Got a ton of volume. He actually, in terms of opportunity for fantasy points, ranked number 17 overall, despite finishing at number 31. Crowder's a guy I love I love as a wide receiver for this year, if you can get him there. It may be as a three and a full point PPR I like as well, but I feel like once again, I look at Mims, I look at what else is out there here for the Jets, and I feel like Crowder's going to get a ton of work. I think Le'Veon Bell's gonna catch a ton of balls too in this offense, the way they're set up right now. But basically by default, Crowder is that guy. So is this another dude where you look at and say, hey, good value in full point PPR? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have a yeah. ton of touchdowns, but he has points. Yeah, no, he's going to get points every single week. So, I mean, you talk about consistency. The last two guys that we talked about, one supremely inconsistent and the other very consistent. So uh, I would start Crowder over Boyd any day. And so I do like this, this pick here. Another guy getting lost in the shuffle right now because of the addition of DeAndre Hopkins is Christian Kirk, who had 100 targets last year. A lot of people don't realize that. 100 targets is a lot of targets. And yes, Larry Fitzgerald's still there. But when you add a weapon like Hopkins, that means he gets a ton of attention in the secondary. That means a lot of other opportunity for single coverage for other guys. Yes, Larry Fitzgerald is still around. And yes, he is a Hall of Famer. But Christian Kirk might be that guy at, again, he finished number 26 overall in terms of possible points, ended up finishing 40 overall in reality. But I think this is another guy that's being drafted as a wide receiver five or four, depending on the size of your league, that could really shoot up boards as the season goes on because the Cardinals are going to run a ton of plays. I think they're going to be the surprise team for me this year. Yeah, well, look, they could have a dynamic offense. They have three really solid weapons at wide receiver and maybe a good running back, depending on what Drake does. I think Kirk's numbers will be more or less the same, but maybe with more touchdowns this year, because that should open up a little bit more for him. And he is essentially their biggest deep threat that they have. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could take a shot on Kirk if he opened up the season as my wide receiver three. Sure. I would have uh, no issue with that. Two hey, is a couple strong, more, I think. A couple more touchdowns and he's going to finish there. I mean, that's that's, yeah, that's no, a lot right he, there. I think he could very well could. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to dive back into some odds in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Will the Braves make the playoffs in 2020? Will the Cubs make the playoffs in 2020? We'll have the answers for you when we come back next. So don't go away. More Sports Grid is coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, yo, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. And our next guest, you obviously know from Fantasy Live and, of course, the podcast on NFL Network. He is also now the host on Sirius XM Radio of Fantasy Dirt. He's the one, the only Michael Fabiano. Michael, welcome to the program. We appreciate you dropping in. Thank you for having me, dude. I mean, like, I'm looking behind you and I see you're a Mets fan, huh? I'm a loser Mets fan. These are these are the burdens I bear in life. But again, I'm also a Patriots fan. As you see, the Tom Brady paraphernalia above me, probably. Yeah. See, I'm good with that because it I root my pain. <laughs> I root for the Yankees, mm -hmm. the Cowboys, mm -hmm. and the Lakers. And what do those three teams all have in common? Winning. They were all the they were all the teams that were winning when I started rooting for sports teams back in the early '80s. So I get crap constantly for that. But I don't have like the geographic limitation on fandom. You can root for whoever the hell you want, man. It I'm is what it man. is. As long as you don't jump off the bandwagon and jump on somebody else's bandwagon, then I don't like that. But if no, you're faithful to the team, 
Come on, it could be the Mets. It could be the you know the the Patriots. I see the Bulls. Maybe is that the Bulls back there? That's a the Mike, US, that is a Michael that's the Jordan, Jordan USA jersey. Yes, you have a yes. very astute eye. I like this. I don't even know if it's in the box, but it doesn't matter because now everybody in their mind can see it. But yes, there is a Michael Jordan USA Dream Team jersey that I have from my childhood, by the way, that I just decided to throw up there in a frame. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm with you. Like I grew up in the '80s in New York, where in Brooklyn the Mets were king. Okay, right, and right, right, that was right. it. My dad had a mustache. Keith Hernandez had a cool mustache. That was it. Like, you know, it was all needed to be said and done from then so, on. So but, now I know what your favorite Seinfeld episode is oh, of all time. Of course. I, but I'll tell you what. If you ever ask me to help you move, I'll probably do it because I like <laughs> it. I just want you to know that. Well, what, uh, about, what about if I asked you to drive you to the airport, though? I'm not driving him to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. And I we didn't just... even practice that. That was great. So let's let's talk a little football because I know we have like we could do this all day and maybe we will. Uh, but <laughs> in the meantime, let's start and talk about your Cowboys a little bit here because obviously a big draft for them picking up CD Lamb, uh, Randall Cobb, the 800 yards gone from that offense and receiving. I don't see any reason why he can't possibly fill somewhat of that role in the Black Book last year. Dak Prescott was my guy in terms of best quarterback on the board, return on investment, and boy, did he return in a big way. I think he is going to be somewhere close to that. You look at this offense, they're completely loaded. Do you see all these guys keeping up, or is there somebody that you're fading from this bunch? How are you approaching the Cowboys this year in fantasy? I can't fade a Cowboy. Come on, man. I can't do that. <laughs> you got to put the personal aside. I, from the get, I, and I and I typically Italian. do. I mean, that's I, what we do. It's I know. Business. No, I get it. I get it. I, I, I understand, okay? I understand. Yeah. But um, I, I think Dak is going to end up being great. Like, he's, he's my QB3. He was the QB2 last year. Only Lamar had more fantasy points, and now he gets CeeDee Lamb. Zeke is Zeke. No worries. Top three or four pick. Amari would be the one guy that I'm a little bit concerned about because of the durability. You know, he was so great in the first half of last year, second half of the season. The injuries really sort of wore him down. His numbers uh, were, were very inconsistent and unreliable. Michael Gallup is a guy that I feel like I'd love to have as a wide receiver three. He's got to stop dropping the damn ball. I think he was second in drop passes last year behind, I believe it was Julian Edelman. Because if he becomes unreliable for Dak, then they've got CeeDee Lamb and he could potentially usurp Michael Gallup. I don't think that's going to happen during their rookie his rookie campaign. But you're right. There are opportunities out there. You lose Randall Cobb. You lose Jason Witten. Although Blake Jarwin, you know, we'll see some of those targets as well. There are opportunities out there for CeeDee Lamb. Maybe not to make an elite impact. Maybe not even to make a great impact. But to make a good impact during his rookie campaign uh, in Dallas, I could see 40 to 50 catches. I could see 700 yards. I could see five touchdowns. As a rookie wide receiver, especially when you've had no OTAs, right. you might have preseason or might not, that would be pretty good because the rookies are going to have a tough time transitioning because they haven't had those valuable workouts during the entire offseason to sort of, you know, build their rapport with their new teammates and learn the offense. It's going to be really weird, man. Yeah, and I've been saying the same thing, so it's good to hear someone else say it out loud because it is difficult. Now, I think some guys will transcend that. I think certain guys like the Judys of the world have that kind of talent that they can, you know, rise above those scenarios. But for the most part, when you're not the main target guy in the offense, I think it's much harder. You know, when there's already guys established ahead of you, it's a little easier for Judy maybe than some others. I mean, Sutton's there, but still it's kind of wide open a little bit. But CeeDee Lamb is another one where you know, oh, there's so many other options. I think that's what makes it tough. Uh, let's talk about the Giants, too, because they just had Bob Harris, your co-host there on who the I Fantasy love. Dirt, who I love dearly. He is, a, yeah. he is my hero. He is my hero, my mentor. He's your bald brother. He is He's my a great man. He Are is, you a Curb Your Enthusiasm guy? Pretty much. Pretty, pretty. Much. I mean, you know, we, dude, what, we'll like, do an hour together. You, I mean, we have I still to. got a Kodak. I can still log in there on Sirius and do a Jeff show with you. Garland was on my show. Was he really? Ago. You get all the celebrities. I know. I Jeff, you. You're a celebrity. I, I'm not a celebrity. I, I am lucky enough to know celebrities. <laughs> Jeff, I love. He's great. Every time he comes, I Fabs, I love you. But I tell you something. He was throwing F's and S's all oh, over the place. God. I, I thought it was hilarious. Should know better by then. I thought it was hilarious. You know, the producers didn't really think it was no. all that funny. But that's Jeff. He's great. Anyways, go ahead. But he should know better. He's a pro. Like, he got to know. I, like... I, I feel I didn't really tell him. I figured, you know, he knew he was going to be doing an interview. But Sirius XM, you, know, you say, oh, I'm going on Sirius XM. 
I can mother F and S and everything like, and it's not a problem. It's not the Howard Stern show though. No, it is not. On the fantasy sports network. I was there for five years, my friend. I I know, (laughs) believe me, I got you on that one. But uh, yeah, he should should know better. But I I thought the last season of Curb was terrific. I don't know about you. And they're coming out with, uh, dude, it just keeps getting better. And he was built for this, this coronavirus thing with with his neurosis. This is like, he's been been training his whole life for this, I feel like. It's going to be awesome. Like yeah. th- this season coming up, they have to have the whole coronavirus thing as a part of it, as a as a theme for the entire. Last season was so good. It yeah, was so good. Thank you for your service. I I mean, I, I thought that kid looked a little Asian. I mean, like it's, oh, it's so hat, funny. The hat to get out of lunch. It was all about Bro, the hat to get out of lunch. That was my I favorite. I met thing Larry David, okay, huh. at NFL Network years ago. Rich Eisen used to do his podcast from the NFL Network. Oh, I saw Rich had up. the Latte Larry's cup. Yes, I saw I, on your show. Dude, I, I have a Latte Larry shirt, okay, and my no. son has one, and so does my girlfriend. But um, <laughs> we uh, we we met in the makeup room, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, getting makeup. He's getting makeup, and uh, I come up to him. I say, Hey, you know, Larry, Michael Fabiano, nice to meet you. Hey, Fabiano. I says, yeah, it's a good Irish name. And Larry David, like, belly laughed. Right. And I you make Larry like, David laugh, I you feel like, like saying, good night, folks. Good night, folks. Leave on a high note. See, you always. Like, like Costanza does. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. He was awesome. Yeah. He dresses exactly like he does in the oh, show. Absolutely. Him and my father have the same wardrobe. It is hilarious. It was a lot of it was a Identical lot of wardrobe, those two guys. But that's one of the greatest moments of my life. I made Larry David, who I feel like is one of the two or three funniest dudes on the damn planet, oh, laugh. Oh, absolutely. My great. kids every morning. I mean, we are so down the rabbit hole. We might as well just do this. My kids every morning now in the summer, they were home. They're waking up later. So like on TBS, the reruns of Seinfeld are on. So we've been yep. watching them over breakfast. And my daughter in the pool the other day was annoyed about something the other one did. And she said, serenity now. And I, almost oh died. I was like, look, so at this. I am winning as a father. I am my, ten, my 10 year old loves curb your enthusiasm i'm a bad parent i know See, it because i won't i have there are bad yeah, words too they are <laughs> he is he has watched it like when we didn't know uh-huh. that he was sort of in the room like you know he would come in and he'd All watch right. and then he'd leave right. and we had it on he loves larry david um yes there are topics that he shouldn't probably be <laughs> uh watching on there, uh, including I, I can't say it on the show, but okay, uh, go ahead. Let's, let's keep going. I, I'm, 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 well, we got to have this conversation another time. Anytime you, whenever you're free, you and I just talk off air or on. I don't care either way. I could care less as long as we're talking. Uh, let's do. Let's talk about Miles Sanders as long as we're talking too, because this is another guy too. Let's let's stick with the NFC East. We'll do a theme here. Miles Sanders was a guy for me last year that the ADP kind of rose as as we often see. Like as draft season goes on, we see ADP rising and things like that because of preseason and other stuff like that. And there was always reason for concern. But last year, that was a guy that I didn't draft, but I absolutely acquired in a lot of leagues because people started to lose faith. Is that going to be a trend you see this year with these same rookie running backs you see too? Because Miles Sanders was a guy that got going as the year went on. And under these pandemic conditions and what's happened, do you think this is another position where maybe you're not in the best scenario drafting and paying big time capital for Taylor, for Swift, those guys? Maybe it's better to acquire them in a trade as you get in maybe five, six weeks into the season. So I don't think the pandemic has anything to do with it. I mean, you know, what does a running back need to do? Oh, hand me the ball. I find the hole and run. Okay, well, it's and pass my, protect. And I, know, pass protect I, know, I get that too. But if okay. a guy is if a guy is prolific in pass protecting in college, there's a good chance he's going to be able to move that into the next level. I, and there are guys out there who are going to certainly need to improve their pass protection. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but for me, here's what happened with this draft class: the running back position is loaded, but all the great guys ended up being drafted by teams that already had incumbent starters. I mean, like. Part. You met Jonathan Taylor, right? Marlon Mack. You mentioned Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Damian Williams. And, Every single you know, one. Yep. The running, all of them. Like, all of them. So, so you like, Damian Williams is going to open the season as a starter. Well, here's a question. You you know, know? On the, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you feel like there's a pivot there where everybody's trending to the young guys? Is there any point in time where you start reacting to the others? Because in this scenario we're in, oh, let's sure. say a guy tests positive like we see in baseball. They could miss two weeks. If that happens, it's the other guy's backfield for at least two weeks no, potentially. No doubt about that. I mean, like you're, like Damian Williams has started to rise back up a little bit because there's been a lot of chatter around him. Right. Like, I mean, if he's an eighth or ninth round pick, okay. Like Mark Ingram, if he's getting drafted in, in within a round or two of J.K. Dobbins, okay. You know, I'll, uh, carry on Johnson, uh, he's going to end up being later. Marlon Mack is going to end up being later, but... Marlon Mack could open the season as a starter. Too. He had a thousand yards last and year. I know he's not. He's not like a garbage back. Like he was good, yeah. and he's young. 
and he's explosive. So like, and only one year left, right? You would think they'd want to burn him and turn him. Exactly. And he's in a, he's in that contract. So he's going to want to actually put up some numbers because he's going to, I would think probably not be with the Colts next season. I mean, time will tell. So, so there's benefit to this. You have to have faith in the rookie running back that you're drafting that at some point during the course of the season, they're going to take over the job. Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I don't think he's going to be the guy in week one. Maybe it won't be until week four or week five, but he will eventually, I feel like, lead that backfield in touches. Last year, Damian Williams, who should have been the MVP in the Super Bowl, by the way, from a fantasy perspective, 21% of his points came on two runs, like two mm-hmm. plays. That was it. He had the yeah. two long touchdowns. And so I don't know that I think he is a he's certainly not a better a better athlete than Clyde Edwards Alaire. He's certainly not a better pass catcher than Clyde Edwards Alaire. But because he's a veteran who helped this team win a Super Bowl, there's respect there. And he's gonna end up being the guy, I believe, to start the season. But you have DeAndre Swift. I feel like he's going to be the guy throughout the course of the season, but carry on Johnson is there. Nothing is for certain here, especially when it comes to these rookie backs and the veterans that are in front of them in the depth chart. We could end up seeing some messy backfield committees yeah. to start the season. We, we really could. You have to have faith that at some point talent and upside will overcome uh, a veteran's status on the depth chart. All right, we're up against it here. Where can everybody hear the show? When's it on and what channel? Go ahead, go do the whole thing. Sirius XM, Fantasy Sports Radio, Sirius 210, XM87, me, Bob Harris, your bald brother, Mike Dempsey. <laughs> oh, my other brother. These are all my bald brothers. Oh, my God. Eastern gonna... time, Monday through Friday. Come check it out. We talk about fantasy football. We talk to celebrities. We talk about sports. We talk about wrestling. We had Dolph Ziggler on a couple of days ago. You can find it all, my friend. Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure. We'll be right back on Sports Grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. And welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you as we dive back into the FanDuel Sports Book. They have all kinds of odds for the 2020 baseball season, and probably, I would say, over the next few days, you can get more opportunities to do that. And I guess, Joe, uh, look, I mean, you live in New Jersey, your opportunities are certainly there. And do you think that is there anything in particular of anything that we've discussed thus far in baseball that has piqued your interest <laughs> to the degree that you're willing to throw some some big dollars on? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, man, I, I'm starting to enjoy the uh, Francisco Lindor MVP odds at 12 to one. I really like that one. Uh, I really like I, even though it's the chalk, I'm getting basically three to one odds on Garrett Cole, who I went back and looked at Garrett Cole over. A, you know, I would say, well, what was his last like? you know, 60 game stretch basically, or whatever that might be the equivalent. And he had an ERA under two with over a hundred plus strikeouts. And I was like, wow, that is, that is basically you look at his August and September of last season. It is practically as good as you Darvish, if not better in some ways. And I think there's real possibility that Garrett Cole could go 10 and zero in this season and have an ERA under two. I think that's possible. And if so, he's going to win that Cy Young. Um, and I think that award is a little bit more wide open in the American League, where it's him and everybody else. Because I don't think the, I don't think the Houston narrative is going to be super, you know, where the media wants to be with Verlander and Bregman and those kind of guys giving out awards to them. Right. But I feel like Garrett Cole, that's that's easy. That's an easy one for everybody. It's a New York media market. If he's dazzling, if he's spectacular, if he's everything that he was supposed to be. Man, that seems like a lock. And yeah, it's the chalk and it's boring. But uh, I think at the same time, you look at it, I think there's opportunity there. Uh, I'm also really liking Juan Soto, who uh, last time I checked was about nine to one MVP odds in the National League. I'm just I'm a big fan, Craig. You know it. And I'm just not going to stop that wagon. I'm going to be the guy all season running the Juan Soto Express. I'm going to be right there. I'm the engineer. Toot toot, baby. Juan Soto MVP. So there's a lot of fun stuff out there right well, now. How about if, you? If Washington does very well, I mean, he's got no offensive competition there, particularly on that team. There's no Harper. There's no Rendon. So that does make some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I haven't found anything yet that I think has extreme value. But, 
you never know that by the time next week comes, I I don't know how I would bet it because I live here in Florida. So well, if just, only you had have a friend to call that, somebody. Mm, I've only had a friend who lived in New Jersey. Yeah, this is true. This mm, is true. Who you saw every day. Maybe you had a relationship. I don't know. With. Tough one. I'll have to come up with it. Uh, last time we did something like that, I lost a lot of money on a guy named Minshew, and it didn't work out. Didn't work out. <laughs> Although I, st I still don't feel terrible about that bet, actually. Oh, no. Look, at the time, it was a good bet at the time. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. And look, and there's another lesson, right? You know, sometimes we overthink things. Kyler Murray was the favorite going in. Kyler Murray was the favorite coming out. <laughs> was he? I thought Jacobs won the rookie deal. Was it? Did, did Jacobs actually win it? I thought it was Kyler Murray. I'm, I could be wrong there. I think ja Jacobs won rookie of the year. Yeah. Ah, well, then there you go. So those were the two favorites, right? We went off the board with Minshew. So I apologize. I my my bad, Josh Jacobs. I don't want to take any awards away from you. Uh, I apologize. So, all right, let's go through. Will these teams make the playoffs in 2020? And we'll we'll just do the odds of the teams where it's somewhat fun to do. I mean, we're not going to do a yes at plus you know 25,000 or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> uh, Atlanta Braves have some interesting odds. Their yes is minus 132, so that's risking $132 to win 100, which means it's a pretty heavy lean toward the Braves making it. And the no is plus 108. Of course, they made the postseason the last two years. They missed the postseason the previous four years before that. And building both sides of it, on the positive side, Joe, they have one of the most dynamic offensive players in baseball at Ronald Acuna. They also have one of the best second basemen in Ozzie Albies. They've rebuilt that bullpen, provided Will Smith is there, along with Melanson and Shane Green. It's a very solid team from start to finish. Uh, starting pitching is also very good. Shorter season with Soroka, Fulton Awich. I mean, there, there's not a lot of holes there for them to be in the mix. That's the positive. The negative is they've sort of gotten off to a bad start because Freddie Freeman not being there, that is a negative to start. Uh, Pache, who knows what he would have been, but it doesn't look like he's going to be part of this as well. And I don't know that that would factor, honestly, in uh, to them making the postseason or not. But they have had some COVID issues to start. They're one mm -hmm. of the teams that got hit particularly hard when you lose your best player or second best player. That definitely can be a factor. But the dynamic here is that, I mean, no one in the NL East, I don't think, is going to have this locked up until the last week of the season. So it may be guessing somewhat if the Braves get in or not. And that's what's a little scary here for me. So I would lean toward yes, but I'm not willing to risk $130 to win 100 on it. You know what? Uh, maybe two days ago I wasn't, but now I am. <laughs> this this Degrom injury. Really? No, no, not because it's Puig. Oh. Uh, because Degrom. Oh yeah. Okay. Because of the the bullpen implosion that's that's going on in Philadelphia. I'm looking at what was supposed to be the elite division in baseball, the National League East. It's falling apart in front of us. And there's another injury on the Braves, even you failed to mention, which is Cole Hamels, who was the big offseason addition for the starting pitching rotation, who is probably not going to pitch. I mean, let's be honest. Like, if he, if you get anything from Cole Hamels at all this year, like, that would be stunning to me. Um, I think Fulton Evich will be okay. Soroka will be okay. Max Freed, to me, is the guy. That's the guy that has to be good, and that's the guy that has to kind of be above board for this team to really take off. And I actually believe in Max Freed. I think he can do that. Yes, Soroka is going to be the opening day starter, but I don't think he is the scarier at bat. I think Max Freed is. And this has nothing to do with the Puig edition. This has to do with uh, the Puig edition telling you that the Braves are in this. The Braves are not waiting around. The Braves are going to be aggressive because they see a window here with all this talent that you mentioned, with some of these young pitchers too, to just go in there and try to make this work. And you hope that Freddie Freeman at some point in time is back. Uh, but I think with the the Puig and the Ozuna signing and the Hamels at least attempt, all tells you that the Braves are trying their best to go all in here. And look, you're going to need guys like Austin Riley to step up. You're going to need some of these ancillary players as well, especially when Freeman is out, to step up a little bit in that void. Nobody's Freddie Freeman, but somebody's got to at least kind of step up, not just Acuna. It's got to be more than just him and Albies carrying this team. Some other guys uh, on this uh, on this lineup here have to figure things out. And look, I think Ozuna, I think Puig, I think that's enough there to help. But it's more also to the point of I keep looking around and, yeah, you know, I think the Nats, <laughs> believe it or not, are still the class. The, nobody has pitching like the Nats have. 
And this is a tournament. And I think in a tournament, you have to bank on the Nats being the best team in the National League East right now. And the Braves right now, I think, are the second. And I think that makes them a playoff team when all said and done. So I would definitely lean towards the over here. I don't think they're going to miss out because I think the Atlanta Braves are going to get aggressive here and make a push for it. Yeah, and, and they'll make deals if they need to, for sure. Yeah. I would love to know that Will Smith is 100% healthy and is going to be with the team. I think that that's a major uh, piece that they it got. Is. They really didn't attack uh, starting pitching that hard, but they felt like building a big bullpen was part of it. And I think that— Well, it, you know, they, they tried for Bumgarner last year, and that didn't happen. They didn't want to trade him San Francisco. Then they tried yeah, I thought, I thought they they'd end up with Teichel. You know what? Yeah, you would have thought that was easy fit, but I guess they didn't want to pay that much money for him. No, they obviously didn't, and then you I know? thought they'd end up with Donaldson. They didn't end up. With- <laughs> they didn't want to pay Donaldson either. They're trying to do. They're trying to be aggressive, but in a in a cost effective manner. I don't know if you could pull it off, but hey, who's to say they can't? Uh, yeah. I think the Will Smith signing is very important, though, and and in this sixty game situation where the bullpen is going to be leaned on heavily. The sooner he is back and healthy, the better, because they are going to need him absolutely there in this first month of the season. Make no mistake about that. So keep a close eye on that one. Yep. All right, let's move on to the Chicago Cubs. The uh, Cubs in 2020 on the FanDuel Sportsbook are basically giving you $114 back on a $100 bet if they make the postseason. They're plus 114, but the heavy lean is on the Cubs actually not making it. Now the Cubs... Made the postseason four years in a row, 15, 16, 17, and 18. And then they fell back last year. They also have a rookie manager this year in David Ross, so remains to be seen how he'll end up being. We know that anytime Joe Madden is the manager of a team, he is definitely one of those few guys that I would say is a plus one or a plus two or <laughs> maybe even a plus three. And David Ross yep. is, is definitely not that guy. Uh, Rizzo, that's <laughs> scary that Rizzo's already hurt to this point, and we know that he's had health issues away from baseball in the past as well. So hopefully he ends up playing this year, but the back issues always are, are scary somewhat. Pitching-wise, Cubs are okay. A little bit on the aging side. Darvish probably has seen his best days, although he could you know, turn it back up this year, no doubt. Uh, Lester toward the end of, of his career for sure. Um, I, I think leaning no is probably the right call here, but I do think the Cubs are going to battle this thing right down to the last week, very similar to the Braves. I don't think Milwaukee's pulling away. I doubt the Cardinals will pull away. And so it'll come down to how badly the Cubs really wanted because Joe in the offseason, the Cubs did not show that they really wanted anything. They didn't make any no. moves. No, they didn't. But look, they're also paying a lot of money to a lot of guys, too. They pay a ton of money to you, Darvish, a ton of money to Lester, a ton of money to Kimbrell. They pay money to Rizzo. It, it, there's a lot of money on the books right now. But I wouldn't count the Cubs out because Schwarber, Ian Happ, there's a lot of other good players here that we haven't even scratched the surface of, of how good they could be. My problem is I think Lester is done. I watched him pitch a ton last year, and he just looked like a guy at the end. Now, we've seen Lester look like at the end before and bounce back, but last year was even more towards the end of the line than I had seen in previous years. They still have Kyle Hendricks, who's still a nice pitcher there. Quintana obviously wasn't healthy. That's another you know ding to this rotation for the dings and dangs of today on Fantasy Sports Today. That's another one. But what they do have going for them is experience. Rizzo, Bryant, Kimbrell, um, you know, a lot of these guys have been there, done that. So they know what it takes. And I never want to count out a team that has experience like that. And I think that makes them a really dicey situation when you're in the wagering department. Because, yeah, they're kind of tempting you to, to, to go over there a little bit in one direction. But, man, like, this is a team that could get hot over this period of time. This is a team that could backdoor their way. What if Cincinnati isn't? all we think they could be in year one of all these other pieces together for the first time. So there's a lot more questions and answers here. I feel really good about the Braves making the playoffs, less so about the Cubs, but I would not put it past the Cubs, so I'm going to stay away from that number. All right, fair enough. Coming up next, it is time for us to take a look at uh, my fantasy team for 2020 in the League of Alternative Baseball Reality. Yesterday, we looked at uh, Joe's club. Today, we'll look at mine. About four months ago, I think it was five months ago, I drove up to St. Petersburg from South Florida and spent the day there, did a draft, came out feeling pretty good about it, as most people do. Honestly, did not remember a lot of my team until I went back and looked yesterday. This is totally true. And with moves coming up this weekend, I guess it is time for me to decide if I like my team or if I need to make some moves. We'll touch on that next as you're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizapia and Craig Mish. Follow us on Twitter, of course, at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter 
at Joe Pisa Pia 17. And also, don't forget, coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell going coast to coast right here on Sports Grid. We're back with more right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And back in late February, the League of Alternative Baseball Reality participants made their way to Florida, the west coast of Florida, in St. Petersburg, and uh, drove up from South Florida to do this draft. It was an auction draft and uh, a mixed league auction, I believe the first of its kind for the League of Alternative Baseball Reality, and uh, spring training was just, you know, sort of getting going and happening, and and I had this draft and auctioned off some players, and it would take us hours to go through each auction value in every single player, and I don't think that people in particular are really interested in that. But uh, we can took a look at the, take a look at the results and see if there's any tinkering that I'm going to need to do to start the season. And so I took Joe's challenge to actually find the team. And, <laughs> Just find it. Just That was the I mere did. challenge. Just and I found the team. I, found, I, I have a team going roster. into the year. And surprisingly and pleasantly surprised, that thus far, 16th of July, everybody I have seems to be healthy. I mean, and and listen, if if the general manager of the Astros is going to say that the healthiest team is going to win the World Series this year, then I am going to say the healthiest <laughs> team is going to win in fantasy baseball, too. So I'm feeling pretty good. I only have one guy on the COVID list. Not hey. bad. That's not bad. Uh, yeah, well, that's all you can hope. Right? Yesterday's roster, I think, had Eduardo Rodriguez. I had Cole Calhoun, but he came back. So, yeah, this is a relatively healthy roster. Uh, Craig obviously has the opposite uh, that I do in terms of philosophy with two-catcher league because he paid off for probably the best fantasy catcher on the board. So kick us off here. Take us right. uh, with your boy JT and the rest of the infield. Yeah, I spent the most money on catchers in this league, actually. It's not something I normally do, but I really do like Will Smith. So I ended up with uh, Real Muto and uh, and Smith, um, both, of course, uh, paying, you know, one paying almost $30, the other paying in the 20s. At first base, I'll put Josh Bell there and, and hope that what we saw in the first half of last year is similar to the first 60 games of this season. Uh, love Max Muncie in this sort of format and, and yep. the ability to move him all around. That was a specific target that I went into in the draft this year. So I ended up getting Muncie. I was happy with that. Uh, yeah, I'm very high on Gavin Lux on the Dodgers. Uh, I did not go in thinking that I was going to get him or anything like that, but he was cheap enough, I think under $10, where I ended up pulling the trigger there. Uh, Brian Anderson of the Marlins gives me flexibility, has qualification at right field, has qualification at third base. Maybe that's the most important thing in fantasy this year. Who would have thought that? Uh, Manny Machado is a, a third baseman, but qualifies at short. I thought that yeah. was a major, major reason why I went after him. Absolutely. And going into the season, I thought that he was a potential MVP candidate. Now that I'm thinking back, that's why uh, I paid up dearly for Machado, because I just think that offensively speaking, there aren't a lot of shortstops that can come close to him. What and did you pay court, for him, if I may ask you? In the 30s, somewhere? You know, it's funny because in most drafts, especially auction, I found him to be discounted oh, in the low 30s or high 20s when, typically speaking, he is a high 31. No, yeah, no. like that's about where he's been going back in February and March, and I thought that was grossly undervalued considering what kind of stats he can give you and what kind of second half he had after he kind and of— And shortstop. That was the whole thing. And shortstop. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing there. I, I think that's— that's probably one of your best ROIs in this infield team. Maybe. And, and then offensively speaking, what I, what I always do is when I think I have enough offense and I think I'm good, like with power, then I go one more because I'm like, <laughs> ah, you know, I'm probably wrong. That's what I say to myself. And so that's when I grabbed Encarnacion to just not put it over the top, but to get me where I think I'm supposed to be. Encarnacion has got to have a good year in him with that offense on the White Sox, I would think. I, I, I well, really... I, I every gotta year he does, right? You just got to hope that the slow start doesn't mean slow starting in yeah. July. <laughs> I, I really do think that he turns into Nelson Cruz for the next few years. 
Oh, let's hope so, because Edwin Encarnacion has been one of the uh, the guys you can really depend on in season-long Roto. It's been a little frustrating in the head-to-head formats because of the slow starts sometimes and a little bit of the streakiness in there. Uh, Nelson Cruz does not have the same kind of streaks or the negative ones, at least, uh, that Encarnacion has. But looking at your roster, you have a lot of power coming from the infield, which is good, because when you look at the outfield version here, there's less power there's to be no had. Power. Yeah, only one guy. Well, yeah, I would so. say no power. I wouldn't say no, well, but certainly less. Certainly not. So uh, looking at my outfielders, I, I spent the most money on Acuna. I wanted to go after that. I just I the reason why is because I just didn't feel like there was any bona fide stolen base guy. And, and I was like, this this guy is that. And so home runs, of course, he's there. But Acuna is chasing some 40-40s and some 50-50s. And I, and I wanted to get him. And I just feel comfortable getting the best player in the National League. So I did. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, solid, steady, 15 steals, hopefully 15 home runs. I, I have to hope he has one more good year left in him. I'm not sure, but that is a little, you know, not much of a risk, eight, nine bucks, something like that. Uh, David Dahl was not somebody I targeted at all in, going into the season, but again, it, I believe he was a cheap price and, uh, you know, in the $10, $11 range, and so I pulled the trigger on him. Uh, went in wanting Shogo Akiyama on the Reds. I'm happy I ended up with him. And I think that he provides a little bit more power than people are thinking. I went back and I looked at his all his He's numbers over C. I, mean, I, I think 15 home runs in a, in a 162 is possible. How that translates to 60, I have no idea. But look, I am lacking in the power department in the outfield. Uh, I'll throw Dyson in there. On Pittsburgh, this is a busted pick, clearly, because he's going to get traded in 30 days and not steal any bases. And <laughs> you know, that's it. I mean, there's not, when you're when you're drafting a, a one-trick guy, which Dyson is, and and Dyson could have given me 20 steals in, in 100 games before the trade deadline. This would have been a fine pick, but now it's not. You know, and now 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 it's five steals, and he's. He's on the. Hey, you know what? Those five steals might matter. I mean, it's crazy. Right, but he's going to get. He's he is a one thousand percent trade candidate by Pittsburgh. He's on a one year deal. That's a high he, percentage. And he is the guy in the tenth inning that they're moving. That they're going to put on second base to run. Ah, uh, you mean the Herb Washington? Exactly. <laughs> I can't exactly. wait for the first guy. The first pinch runner. I hope it's an opening night. I hope I hope Craig gets this dream of his and has this moment where that guy gets out there at second base and steals third and then just like somehow steals home or ends up, you know, scoring yeah. on, a, on a wild pitch or something like that. It'd be amazing. <laughs> so Dyson, I have uh, Sam Hilliard. I also have in the outfield. I'm not sure what's going on with Charlie Blackman. Is he back or not? Like they reported that he was out again or something. Yes. I don't know, man. I'm, I don't I'm know not sure what his story is, but Hilliard, Hilliard is looking next- like a better investment every day, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. He's an extra outfielder maybe he starts for Dyson for me because again look I, I gotta call it what it is if I mean I would never just take a steals guy in a 60 game season there's way too much risk with that and a guy like this that's gonna get traded I'm it's just throwing any dollars I put on him uh, and then my two extra guys uh Tommy Edmond who I Plays feel like it. I'll be able to play at some point this year a guy as long as he doesn't go down someone will go down for the Cardinals Edmond will play at that position every day third right. short second first outfield as long as he's healthy, he's going to play. And then my last uh, reserve pick in the whole thing was Miguel Andujar. He was free. So I love that pick. By the, I, look, I love both those guys because you nailed two things. Can they swing the bat a little bit? Yep. Uh, Andujar can swing the bat a lot. And I'm still – I don't understand why everybody's so comfortable with the idea of Gio Urshela being the starting third baseman for the Yankees. Gio Urshela has a career 700 OPS in like eight minor league seasons. He had a okay. great year. He had Talkman a great year. And, and a he couple had of those kids a did. a great year. It yeah, does not I make him a great player. It does not make him an everyday player because if he was, he wouldn't have bounced around for as long as he did. I'm not giving up on Miguel Andahar. Uh, I think what you have here on this team with Muncie, with Andahar, with Edmund is a lot of flexibility, which I think is going to be super important this year. So actually from that standpoint, I like it. I like that you made up for a little deficit in the outfield with taking some Colorado guys because you're going to get a couple cheaper home runs there too. I always have Colorado guys on my team and I take a shot at sometimes it works. Sometimes it does. Look, I've had Brendan Rogers on my team the last two years. That didn't work out. Well, he's going to play at some point. Uh, I mean, I don't know when. I hope so. (laughs) I I hope so. I'm trying to think of a player that I think is as talented as Rogers that it's taking so long to see him. It's, it's a while now. Like it's taking a long time. He was was a third pick overall. I think I'm just saying like, you know, usually a guy like this in, this current climate of Major League Baseball is already up and playing. So, I mean, we, we are really in a weird yeah. spot here. It's very rare that we suppress a value of a player. Well, this he was hurt, too. But. 
uh, that's fair. It's fair, but still, uh, look, I, I like the offense. I think you have a lot the more offense stolen is bases. Fine. The pitching is going to be a little questionable, so let's go through that. So yeah. um, my hmm. starting pitching, uh, Shane Bieber, who I felt was uh, an ace, but the cheapest ace of the aces, and I did target Bieber going into this, so I ended up with him. Uh, Max Freed was not somebody that I targeted, but as the draft was going on and I felt like I was really going to need some strikeouts, I believe I paid 17 if I'm not mistaken, for Max Freed. Terrible. Um, but Zach Gallen in a full season. I love Zach Gallen. I bet very heavy on Zach Gallen to go over his win totals. He is clearly uh, not nearly as valuable in a 60-game season as he is in a 162 and the same thing goes for Aaron Savali, who I am also a very big fan of, but he's going to pitch fourth or fifth in that Cleveland rotation. Mm -hmm. And you can't start stacking those kind of guys in a 60-game season because they're just simply not going to get the opportunity. So I'm kind of stuck. Um, I got to bump Stroman up. He'll probably you know, be on my first-week roster for sure. A.J. Puck could be okay, but we know that he's only going to make a handful of starts. Uh, Urquidy is hurt right now. He could have helped me out a little bit. And uh, Frank Stample, my former host, convinced me to take St uh, Spencer Turnbull and told me I w he wouldn't let me down. So I said, all right, fine. He's, he saw something in him. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I didn't believe in it, but I did it for him. I took Spencer Turnbull. That's why he was there. Uh, over to my relievers. Uh, this is also, you know what? My my relievers are actually okay because I got a little bit of a swap here. Well, Nick Anderson, I really like. And Helsley well, looks like he might have the job. And so well, is Miguel. Hella is out, uh, right. but it looks like Helsley is the Cardinals closer. So I think that I may have gotten a swap there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what Kella is going to be, and no one's going to take him in a trade. So he's kind of stuck in Pittsburgh, I think. But Kella, Anderson is questionable. Anderson's numbers are going to be awesome. And I think he's going to be You got to play Anderson. Star. I'm telling but you right now. I don't know now, about saves, though. I don't know. I don't about care. Saves. I don't care. You have to play him for the ratios in this format. Like that's you have to get him out there. Well, I like him a lot, and I'm happy with him. You have McGill, to be starting him. You McGill have to. Maybe get saves. Maybe he doesn't. He was at the very end. Uh, Helsey was a reserve pick, so and now he and I believe he's going to be the closer of the Cardinals. Uh, so mm -hmm. um, the pitching is, needs a lot of work. It, this is this is not the kind of pitching staff that I would have taken in a 60 gamer if I was in a 60 gamer. I'm taking the number one starter or the number two starter, maybe the number three starter on some teams. I am not backloading my team with Puck and Gallon. No, that's fair. Puck, Look, but, and also but, what happens in an auction. The, but that's the deal there. It, I'm telling you right now, but if I had to do it over again in a full year, I wouldn't have changed anything because because it doesn't matter if you're the third or fourth starter if you no, end up with 25 that's starts. Fair. It matters this year, though. I just want to get this in here before the end of the show because uh, obviously what happens here, we're trying to use this to, to educate other people. When you spend up a catcher twice, you got to take a hit somewhere, and what you end up taking a hit was it's starting pitching, unfortunately. That's where it ended up happening. Now, look, over a long season, you could play the waiver wire, but it's not a long season anymore either. So I think that's where you have to give and take sometimes with auctions and how you want to allocate your funds. By the way, I don't see and, and, I don't see your by number the way, two. Will Smith. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't see uh, Lucas Giolito or Montas or Kluber or or Garrett Cole in this rotation. I got a lot of shade from my rotation yesterday. I don't see any you of these guys I, here. I don't remember that show. It was a long time ago. Uh, All right, a... that'll do it for the show. Thanks again to everybody who watched and listened to our program today. Uh, thanks to John Sheeran and Michael Fabiano for coming on the program. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Thanks to Brett, Danny, Ryan for putting our program together. I hope you guys have a great day. We'll come back and wrap the weekend up. A week up tomorrow, so don't go away. Speak to you then. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.